Welcome to Soul Driven, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for life inspiration, practical how-tos, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, folks, and thank you for joining us for another Soul Driven interview. These interviews are with people from all walks of life who have discovered their true purpose, are living it out every day, and have wisdom to share with us. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Mark Schaefer, who's well-known within the marketing industry, not only for his astute marketing write-ups and strategies, but for the passion, creativity, and comedy that he brings to the table. A little bit on his bio. Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consultant, and author. His blog, Grow, is hailed as one of the top marketing blogs in the world. He has worked in global sales, PR, and marketing positions for more than 30 years, providing consulting services as executive director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, and is also a faculty member of the Graduate Studies Program at Rutgers University. His clients range from successful startups to global brands such as Adidas, Johnson & Johnson, Dell, the U.S. Air Force, and more. He is the author of seven best-selling marketing books, the co-host of The Marketing Companion, which is one of the top 10 marketing podcasts on iTunes, is a regular contributing columnist to the Harvard Business Review, and has appeared on many national television shows and periodicals, including The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, National Public Radio, and much more. Whew, that is such an impressive bio, Mark. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I just, it's just, I've done it a long time. Just been, just been chugging it out over, over decades. Yeah, so I have to ask you this, like when people read your bio to you, are you kind of inside, does it get you excited at all? Are you? Well, you know, um, sometimes time goes so fast, you know, it's, it's like, whenever I hear some of those things read back to me, it's like, well, doggone, I've really been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but you've done things with your time is the point, you know, like you I have, just I've, been I've been very, out. I've been very, very fortunate. I've had lots of great opportunities in my life. And uh, it's, you know, one time, I got to meet uh, uh, this very legendary person in the PR industry, Harold Burson. He was the founder of Burson Marsteller. And I mean, if you look at this man's background and what he's done in his career, he's just legendary. And uh, he died about a year ago, but even into his 80s, he was coming to work every day and working and working on a book. And I, I got to sit down and talk to him one time and he said, uh, you know, he said, I think the, the, the key to life is that, is that doors are constantly opening for you. Opportunities are constantly opening for you. And the key to a successful life is just knowing which doors to go through. And I think maybe that's sort of been my skill is just, you know, choosing very carefully the right doors to go through and, and making, making good choices that have led to where I am today. Oh, wow. Well, I feel like we could unpack that, just that last statement quite a bit in regards to decisions. I think that's a huge thing. I know that 
I think through life, especially in momentum, once you're building that up and you do mm -hmm. have all of those doors opening, mm -hmm. that's when it gets really intense in regards to ensuring that you're walking through the right ones and making those decisions. It's not an easy thing. Well, especially if uh, you're, you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you don't have much room for error. And that's why, you know, I tend to be very, um, you know, I take my time to think things through because I don't have room for error and I can't just jump at every, every little thing. And I realize, you know, if you make a choice to do one thing, you're not, you're not going to be able to do something else. And that every choice I make, uh, I mean, I have a small business, uh, and every choice I make, uh, I'm going to have to live with that choice for a long time. And I think in the marketing world, especially, I think, you know, if you look at you know, Facebook or Facebook groups, it's, you know, or LinkedIn or YouTube, it, it seems so intoxicating that, you know, you can create a Facebook group for free or you can create a YouTube series basically for free. But all of those decisions require commitment and they require time. And if you want to have a successful Facebook group, I mean, that really takes you know, a lot of effort. And, you know, people talk to me all the time. They say, oh, I love your book. I love known. I love marketing rebellion. Why don't you start a Facebook group? <laughs> so we can all talk about that. And, you know, it seems, why not? I mean, why not? You know, you've got people interested in it. You've got fans out there. Why not? But the, you know, I always say no, because it's just not core to what I do. You have to be really disciplined about where you want to go. And, you know, you know, there are basically three things that are important to my business. And if it doesn't fall into one of those three things, you, you, you got to find, you know, you got to outsource it or you got to find another way to do it. Or you just flat out say no and, and get rid of it. Saying no is a, is a very important part of life. I think saying no and, and, and really being mindful and, and being careful in what you choose to do, thinking about the long-term consequences is an important part of success. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. My, uh, my first inclination is always to say no. I actually have to calm myself down and, and <laughs> take a breath a little bit usually. I mean, even you know, when my friends are inviting me over or something, like mm. my first inclination is always kind of no. And so I have to stop and be like, wait a minute, you know, is this something good? And, and I've had to teach myself a little bit more about staying open, but I know that that's kind of not the, not the typical, since we're, since we're here, I have to ask you if you can elaborate on what your decision-making process is like. Well, you know, I don't know if I, if I have anything super formal, but I mean, the way I, uh, one of the things that a lot of people ask me or they, or they sort of marvel about me is that I seem to be able to get so much done because I, <laughs> I do so many things and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a professional speaker and I teach at Rutgers university. And as you mentioned in your very kind introduction that I've, you know, I've written books, I blog, I podcast, I do consulting. Um, I think, I wrote a blog post. I think I've got like 21 or 22 different sources of revenue. And people say, you just seem to be everywhere. And you're always, you know, it just seems like you're, you're always on, on the go. And, 
it all gets really down to this idea of discipline. And for, for me, I've identified that there are three core things that contribute to my business. And number one, obviously, is clients, client work, consulting. So that, you know, that has to come first. Whatever I need to do to serve those consultants, that is a priority. Number two would be my, uh, my classes and workshops. Uh, I teach at Rutgers University, and there's a great synergy between consulting and teaching and creating content. I mean, they all kind of go together. The, 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 I teach very, very smart, smart people at the graduate level at Rutgers, and you know, the questions they ask keep me on my toes, lead to ideas for content, and that, and you know, those blog posts or podcasts end up being speeches or it works their way into the consulting. And then the third one is is content. So I realized that all of the great benefits that have come to me really started out with the blog. Uh, I, I, I have a blog called Grow. I've been blogging for 12 years. I have a podcast. Uh, we're now going into our eighth year of the podcast. And uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of consistency. And, but, but that's how people know about me. That's how they build this emotional connection to my brand. So those are the three things, clients and classes and, and content. And if, if what people are asking me to do is, is not like, if it doesn't fit into one of those buckets, you know, you know I, I really have to say, you know, no, basically, or outsource it. And, and that's kind of the, the main structure of my, of my decision process is like, you gotta stay focused. You have to know, um, you, you have to know where to spend your time. I mean, time is so precious. And I think the biggest problem that people fall into so is that they, they work on things that maybe they enjoy, which is fine, but it doesn't get them where they're going. So an example would be someone who loves technology and they're constantly tweaking their website, right? They're changing the fonts and they're changing the colors and da, 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 da. But that does not get you where you're going, all right? That's something you can outsource to an IT person or an intern or something like that, right? I mean, if you don't change the font today or you don't change the color today, that's not going to have a big impact on your life long term, right? So you got to focus on those big things and do them first. And if you're starting to be distracted by things that you love, especially if you're being distracted by things that you, you know, that you enjoy doing that aren't, you know, part of your path to get you where you want to go, then you need to think about that and say, well, you know, maybe I should be doing this other thing. You know, maybe I should try to make money tweaking websites or, or, or whatever you're doing that's, that's distracting you. But I mean, I have fun every day and, and I, I love what I do. I help people. It's very rewarding. Um, but you know, it, you, you've got to stay focused. You've got to stay disciplined. Yeah. I love that. You know, when I, um, I've wanted to have a podcast for years, mm -hmm. but, um, I couldn't figure out like really what I wanted to focus on and what I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really came to me last year and I decided, okay, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do this. But, um, but I'm I glad decided. You, and I'm glad you did, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I am too. <laughs> it has been such a wild ride already. Um, but I just decided and I, you know, shared with folks from the very beginning, I was like, look, I, 
I'm going to come out. This is going to be raw. This is not going to be perfect. I am going to, my focus is on providing good content. And so everything will get pretty along the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like you can come on that think, journey yeah. with me mm -hmm. and we'll build upon it as we kind of go, you know, cause for me with, with the podcast specifically, the content was what was most important. So that's where I wanted to put all of my focus and attention versus, yeah. you know, doing the things. Um, I think but, that's cool. You know, a lot of people get intimidated and they're afraid of stepping out creating content, following their dream, because it's not perfect. Or maybe they say, well, I'm not an expert. And I think that's really, there's a lot of mythology around that because all the people that we look up to, no matter what our field is, these people who are stars, they weren't born superstars. Yeah. They started out with nothing just like us. And in my book, Known, where I talk about the process to build a personal brand, you know, every single person in that book started with nothing. Some of them were homeless when they started building their personal brand. And, and the real key is exactly what you said, Anna. It's is be, having the courage to just take people on the journey and say, look, it's not going to be perfect. And I don't have all the answers, but come along with me. We're going to do this thing. We're going to learn together. And that is the right mindset. Not saying I have to be perfect. And I have to be an expert because then you'll wait forever. I mean, when I started blogging, I was terrible and I, and nobody was reading it. Nobody was commenting on it. Nobody was sharing it. And I didn't know what I was doing and I was floundering and floundering. And it took me, you know, a long time to start, you know, get into my groove, but I think it was four or maybe five years after I wrote my first blog post and it, that was so terrible, I wrote the best-selling book on blogging. <laughs> now it took me five years to get there, right? So just, so, but I started out not having any idea of what I was doing. Yeah. Literally, I was terrible, but over five, and I just took people on my journey. Yeah. I said, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake? Oh my gosh, guess what? <laughs> Something great happened. Da 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 da. You know, and so I was just happy to be open and transparent and, and human, really, and accessible and helpful uh, because we're, we're, everybody's on a journey. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Except, except Oprah. Maybe Oprah, but <laughs> maybe. If Oprah's, if Oprah's listening, maybe you know, she'll, she'll leave you a comment and say, oh, that was so nice of Mark to say that. But. <laughs> Other than Oprah, I mean, everybody else is just still, you know, on a journey. Well, I think it's just part of it. You know, I mean, um, I, I call it uh, throwing myself off cliffs. It's like at some point in time, you have to give something a chance if you want to do it, you know, and absolutely mm -hmm. you have to be willing to just keep doing it, keep doing it even if it's not good, even if it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I heard Will Smith say once, like, he's like, you know, if you want to build a wall, you don't just go out and try and build a wall. Like mm -hmm. you go out every day and you try and lay a brick mm -hmm. as perfectly as you can. And then one day you have a wall. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just it, you know, like with anything, when you're building something, you just have to keep showing up. You just keep have to like, doing your best and giving what you can. And then inevitably 
you sell the best-selling book on it when you know you didn't even know what you're doing when you started out. I think that's one awesome. of my great uh, lessons and a, a story that I love to tell is um, there's a very famous rock band called the Black Keys. They're one of the biggest bands in the world. I mean, they can fill Madison Square Garden. They can fill arenas. But I got to meet them and talk to them when they were when they were just starting out, when they were just starting to get big and filling halls that had like a couple thousand people in it. And I got to go backstage and talk to them. And I said, what was the moment that was like the accelerator, that was like the explosion that just like took you to the next level? <laughs> what was it? What was that catalyst? And uh, Patrick Carney, the drummer for the Black Key said, there wasn't one. Just every day, it's just like Will Smith said, you lay that brick, you get a little bit better, you get a little bit better. You know, our album, one year does a little bit better than the year before. You know, we play a little bit better than the year before. Our audiences get a little bit bigger than the year before. He said, it's, it's just a steady journey. Now, and I've seen this with my own life. So I did this, I, I published this graph uh, on my blog, which even surprised me. This was even surprising to me. And what this graph was, it was a chart that showed how many people subscribed to my blog year after year after year after year. So, I mean, I think it started back all the way, like I think I had it back to 2009 or 2010. And this thing is just a straight, steady line up. Now, I've had blog posts that have been huge, that have gone viral, right? Doesn't matter. There's no blip. There's no spike. Hmm. It's just steady, 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 steady. You know, year after year, it's a little bit better. Month after month, it's a little bit better. There's no shortcut. There really isn't. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, 0.001% of the population will get famous because they do some crazy YouTube video or something, right? But there's no shortcut. Consistency is more important than genius. Yeah. You just have to keep on going and look for the signs that it's a little bit better this month. Yeah. And it's a little bit better this month. And as long as it's a little bit better, just keep on going. Well, and there's so much wisdom that's learned along the way. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that like, like the overnight success stories, they sound great, but holy yeah. crap, if you're starting out and then like if I started my podcast and all of a sudden it became really well known, I would feel a lot of pressure. I would be freaked out. I would not be able to like be myself or try yeah, that's to a, get That's a brilliant point. You know? That's a brilliant point. You, you, and really what you're saying is like sort of emotionally, you have to grow into your fame. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It was just part of it, right? Yeah, because when things started really happening for me, and again, I mean, some people on your podcast may not have ever heard of me before, but you know, in my little space of, of marketing in the digital world, you know, I'm I'm well known. And when when that started to happen, it was crazy, and it was it just made me so uncomfortable. And I can, I can remember the exact moment when this thing started to, to, to take off. I had been 
blogging and, and my first book had come out. It was probably around 2011, let's say. And I spoke at an event and this woman, there was this after party and this woman came up to me and she sort of like cornered me and she said, you're a rock star. You're a rock star. I'm thinking, what in the world are you saying? You know, this, I don't want to, don't say that. Everybody's amazing. I'm just a guy with a blog. And so it, it definitely took me time to grow into that and, and sort of learn how to accept that with grace and understanding and humility and, and, and really appreciation because, I mean, I just want to be a person. I just want to connect with people in a very accessible and human way. I don't put on any airs. I don't put up any walls. But I realize that in, in some people's minds, I have this status that, that they appreciate. And I, I'll tell you, Anna, I learned something interesting. One of my new journeys, and, you know, and again, I'm starting at the very beginning and I don't know anything, is I'm, I'm trying to learn how to, how to paint with watercolors. You're so good, yeah. though, already. <laughs> well, that's because you only see the really, really good ones. You don't see the... <laughs> The, the, the hundred other ones that I tear up. But I found this guy online who is just this wonderful, wonderful teacher. And I marvel at, at the simple way he's able to paint in this beautiful way. And I thought, I am a fanboy. I'm a fanboy of this <laughs> artist. And he lives in New York. And if I ever go to New York and I ever had a chance to have lunch with him, oh my gosh, I would just like... I just couldn't believe it. And for the first time, I sort of understood, well, you know, there's people, there are people out there that think that same way about me. Now I kind of get it. That this guy, he's an artist. You know, he, he, he's just another person, but he, he, he has special meaning to me. Uh, he, I have a special emotional connection to him. And so for the first time I said, you know, okay, I get it. I'm a fanboy too. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, it helped sort of put me in a new kind of mindset. That's awesome. That's cool to experience it from the other side. Mm. So I have to ask, um, was it difficult for you at any point, especially in the midst of when you were becoming more well-known and when mm. like people started coming at you a lot mm. more, mm -hmm. was there any ever issue with like your ego or anything like that? You ever have to oh that's a really good off? question um boy that's a hard question um i mean i don't you i guess you'd probably have to ask other people really <laughs> to say hey was mark ever a jerk um i guess the one thing that's hard the one thing that's hard is that one time somebody told me, you know, they were at the top of their profession. And they said over the years as sort of the, you know, celebrity aspect of their career grew, they said it's, it's the difference between when you start out and like you're, you're playing a small club and you have a, a small group of fans that come out to see you at the club. You can shake their hands and talk to them and hug every person in the club. But then whenever you're like the Rolling Stones and you're playing a stadium 
all you can do is slap the hands of the people in the front row. And I, I don't, you know, I, it's important to me to really connect with people and always acknowledge them and respect them. You know, Anna, I will never forget the, the feeling that I had when I saw the first comment someone left on my blog. It was, a, it was like just amazing, amazing and humbling and magical that someone took time to read my work and comment on it. And I have never, ever lost that feeling, ever. I'm amazed and humbled at the magic that happens every day for me, whether it's my blog or my podcast or a book. And I respond to anybody who asks me a question or you know, leaves me a comment. Now, sometimes things may slip through the cracks because I get a lot of comments, I get a lot of messages on Twitter and LinkedIn, and, but I try to do my best. And what I found is, you know, um, oh, well, here's, here's a perfect example. Here's a perfect example. I gave a talk at a big conference in Boston. There were like thousands of people there. And, and um, one woman came up to me afterwards and um, she said, uh, she introduced herself, you know, she said hi. And she acted like, you know, like we were friends and, and you know, I just couldn't, couldn't you know, place her. And she said, well, you know, don't you remember me? And I said, I said, no, I said, I'm sorry. And she, and she said, well, you know, we had an exchange on your blog last year. <laughs> and she, and, and she was absolutely crushed and, 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 and offended that I didn't remember her. And, and, and that's hard. I mean, to get into that sort of a situation where, you know, people feel like that have that, they have that connection to you, that they have this, you know, we, it, it's called a parasocial relationship where when you create content, they first observed this when in, in the 1950s with television shows that people felt like they were friends with their favorite actors on the shows on television. And of course, this was something new with, with this broadcast medium. This had never been uh, possible in the history of the human race. And, and now you don't have to be a TV show. You could be a podcaster. You could be a blogger. And people are still creating these parasocial relationships, thinking that they have this deep connection with you. And this happens to me all the time, but you've never really heard of them before. So you just have to be very patient and, and, and really extend, you know, grace and, and just try to play along as best you can. Yeah. I remember, um, I don't know if this was something that you experienced, but, uh, cause I came out on the social media scene in 2009 mm -hmm. and, you know, Twitter was my home. And, yeah. um, when Instagram, you know, really started coming about and I started getting onto it and I was connecting with people on Instagram that I had connected with, you know, that I had known for a long time on Twitter. And it was so weird. It was like all of a sudden I could see into their lives and it was mm -hmm. almost like mm -hmm. I was 
like I was seeing intimate things that I shouldn't be. Like it was just a very weird experience. Yeah, yeah. It took me a little bit of getting used to. Um, I enjoyed it, but it was like, whoa, like, should I be seeing this? It was just, it was unique. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, things like, I think Instagram is, is, is sort of special in that way that for some reason, it does provide these little intimate views. And, uh, you know, I'm not a kind of person that's sort of like an oversharer, you know, I don't, I don't talk about every little thing going on in my life, but I do think it's fair for people to want to know a little bit about me and know kind of what I stand for. If they're going to invest in me and, and, and trust me, I think it's fair for them, for me, you know, it's fair for me to like pull back the curtains at least a little bit and show, you know, you know, what I enjoy and, uh, you know, what, what I, you know, what I value. And so, um, you know, I'm not wild about this word, you know, authentic, because it sort of means like you're, 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 you're transparent and you're the same all the time, everywhere. And I don't think people really, really want that. I think they want honesty. And so I'm sort of strategically authentic. I like, you know, I show people glimpses of my life so they know kind of where I live and what I do and, you know, what I stand for um, in an honest way. But, um, you know, I, I don't share every grimy detail of my life. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fine dance, you know, figuring out how much to share and how much not to share. Yeah, um, this was a particularly difficult decision for me. Uh, as you may know, I actually, I had the coronavirus. And so because I have some, some status of celebrity with, with people in my audience, audience and that, you know, I've got, you know, literally tens of thousands of people that follow my blog and my writing, you know, all over the world. It's like, okay, what do I really want to say about this? Should I say anything about this? And, you know, I realized, well, there's just no way to keep it a secret because it's going to get out and enough people are going to know. So, I mean, I made the decision to talk about it very judiciously. You know, I gave an update about every seven to 10 days just to let people know I was coming through it. But I also used it as an opportunity to teach and set an example and destigmatize the disease. So I wanted it, I wanted to use my platform as a way to teach and, and use it as a way that would do something, you know, good for the world. Yeah, I thought you did. I thought it was awesome too, that you shared that you were putting aside work, you know? Yeah. But because I feel like there's there's so much guilt there for us mm. as Americans. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, and people who have I know for myself, that was my biggest concern. It was like, I'm not I'm not scared of contracting uh, this virus and dying. Mm. Mm. But I am concerned of like, holy crap, will I be able to take time off or, you know, mm. I'm an entrepreneur as well. And then just kind of the guilt that comes with that. So I thought it was awesome that you shared. Well, the, the weird thing about it is the disease kind of took care of that for me because, you know, I am a very high energy person. I, I, I like I said, I, I love what I do. Uh, I have fun every day and um, I like to be involved in lots of projects. But what happened was 
um, I was the the disease can rob you of your oxygen level. And so I was in this sort of state of, of hypoxia where I wasn't getting enough oxygen. So I couldn't think mm. for three weeks. I couldn't read, couldn't mm -hmm. write, couldn't focus. Basically, I, the only thing I was capable of for about three weeks was laying in a bed and watching sitcoms. And, and so it was kind of scary because I was abnormal but you know that was also in a way probably part of the healing process because it just kept me kept me down and and let my body fight you know i had a i had a fever for 15 straight days which just you know that was that was my body fighting that virus so um it, it, you know it, it was it, it's hard to make the decision to to step away you know i i did make a conscious decision to step away you know but the virus kept me down too <laughs> Well, we are, I, I know that for myself, um, when I saw that you had contracted the virus and then I was definitely paying attention on Facebook and um, I think you were, yeah, you were definitely one of the first people that I like knew, mm -hmm. you know, who had contracted it and, and it was great that you did share those updates to let people know. Um, so I want to step back a little bit like I shared in the bio, you've mm -hmm. been in marketing for 30 years and you said more than that, even before we jumped mm -hmm. on this. So I'd love to know, like, was marketing a love at first sight thing for you? When did you come into yeah. it? Did you find it? Well, it, 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 kind, it kind of was. I, when I was in college, I, I was a journalism major. And uh, I actually started out as a chemistry major. And then what I found out is that I wasn't enjoying it because the people in chemistry, they were so stressed out because they had all this pressure from their parents that they, they, you know, they wanted to be doctors or something. And it just, it just wasn't fun. College wasn't fun. And then, you know, I always liked to write and sort of on a whim, I took an introduction, introduction, a journalism class and learned that really learning, you know, taking, becoming a journalist can really lead to a lot of different career opportunities. But the thing that really inspired me was I loved the people, the people in journalism. I started working on the college newspaper right away. It's like they wanted to find the truth. They wanted to make the world better. They had something burning in their, in their heart that they just, wanted to, you know, just make the world a better place. And I love that. I, I, I love the vibe of, of, of journalism. I love the vibe of the newspaper where you're working on a deadline to create something new, something insightful, something that will change the world. And I just loved it. I, and I found, you know, I just thought, these are my peeps. This is where I want to be. Then in my junior year, I took a, a marketing class and I thought, wow, I love this. I love this. And, but it was too late to change my major. You know, I was broke. I needed to get a job. And so I know your, uh, you know, podcast really focus a, a lot on, on purpose and, and meaning and, you know, honestly, I had been broke for so long 
you know, I, I paid my way through college. I paid every cent myself and I got out with no debt. You know, I had some scholarships and work study and so on, but you know, I had been living on macaroni and cheese and chili bean soup for so long that I just wanted a job. I just wanted money. You know, I wanted to buy a car. I wanted to buy new clothes. And so, you know, my decision, my purpose and my meaning at that point in my life was, I got to make money. I'm going to take the job that pays me the most. I don't care what it is. And I had a great corporate job in, in you know, corporate communications. And, and then sort of what happened is um, uh, I kind of got into this corporate cycle where I had children. And now my purpose was different. And it was not necessarily self-centered. It was family-centered. You know, I was married now and I had a house and I had children and I had a mortgage to pay. And I wanted to save, it was really, really important to save, you know, money for my college, for my kids' college education. And so purpose, my, my personal meaning and purpose sort of took a back seat for, you know, taking jobs that would have, would pay good benefits. That would give me a lot of vacation time that I could spend with my family that would allow me to save. But over the years, I don't regret anything that I've, I've done you know, over the years, I found out a lot of things that I, that I didn't want to do. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and every step I took sort of got me closer to where I am today, where, you know, in my heart and everything that I do, really, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher, whether it's a blog or a speech or a book. Uh, you know, I, I teach because I've had such an amazing experience in my life. And I have, I've done so much and I have so many stories to tell that I can almost always help, you know, people either through a personal issue or through a professional issue. And uh, so, so it took me a long time, you know, it, it took me 30 years really to get to a point where I'm, I'm very, very in tune with, with, you know, my, my, let's put it this way. My, my, my passion and my skills are aligned, you know, with my career. And so I count myself very lucky. I'm in the small percentage of people that's been able to you know, say, here's what I'm good at, and this is what I'm passionate about, and I can make money from this. So not everybody can do that. So I count myself lucky. And, and you know, if, and I would also tell people, social media puts a lot of pressure on people. So even people might look at me and they say, oh, look at Mark. He's, he's living the dream life and he gets to you know, travel the world and give these speeches and he's writing these books. I mean, it took me 30 years to get there. And I you know, had a lot of pain along the way. I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I still do. I'm still evolving, still learning. But I think on social media, we only see people's shiny best version of themselves and like i think there's a tremendous amount of pressure if if you're not in some state of becoming remarkable you know or beautiful or you know talented or successful in some ways and look especially now if you're just you know homeschooling your children well or feeding your family well that 
is remarkable. Surviving the next six or nine months, that is remarkable. We need to keep that in mind that, you know, that, that life's a, a journey and we just have to take joy in the small accomplishments along the way and realize that, you know, people that seem to have this shiny, beautiful life, you know, they probably don't. And it took a lot of, you know, small steps and small accomplishments over many years to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is, nothing is built overnight. I have, I have been trying to just um, shower my, my friends who are mothers uh, with mm. praise in the midst of this. Mm. I mean, I thought, I've always thought mothers are amazing, but through all of this, I'm like, you ladies are legit superheroes. Like <laughs> my sister-in-law, she has a full-time job. She's working from home. My wow. nephew is four and he's way too smart. So he's a handful. She's pregnant and she's like been building up her whole side business and like killing it. I mean, she's just like, I don't have wow. anything on her. <laughs> wow. 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 I'm just yeah. constantly blown away um, by what people are able to do, you know? Well, it's an, it's a very, very important part of, of this, of this crisis. And I think it's going to go on for years, really this idea of, of resetting reimagining ourselves and sort of having some kind of acceptance to a new reality and a new future that yes. might be unfamiliar compared to what our expectations were a few months ago. And I think we need, everybody is going through a process of grieving and we have to recognize that in ourselves, uh, even maybe we're not grieving the loss of a person but we're losing the loss of our freedom or the loss of a job or the loss of being able to work with children crawling without children crawling all over us or the loss of going to our favorite restaurant or to our favorite sporting event. And so every single person we know is, is grieving in some way. And that sort of resets the terms of relationships and even in, you know, in business and in our personal lives, we have to recognize it in ourselves and give ourselves time to sort of deal with that and, and, and be okay with that. And our idea of the future is changing week by week and month by month and maybe even what we regard as sex, as success or our goals. You know, one of the things my wife and I were talking about is we had a lot of plans to travel internationally. You know, we're at a point in our lives and where we're, we should be able to do that. That's what we've looked forward to, do, to doing. And we have like a long bucket list of places we want to go. And we're realizing, you know, that may not be our reality. We're going to have to find a new way to be happy and to be and, and, and find new goals and new ways to kind of fulfill what we thought that part of our life was going to be. Uh, you know, in our, in, in, in the, at this stage in our life. And I think that's, that's the truth for everybody. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that that's a, I think that that's a beautiful thing, you know, quite frankly, I think that, I think that is, as a society, we are having to reevaluate what it was that we were focused on, what it was we were spending our time on, who we were spending our time with, I mean, all of those things, like we've really been forced to look at it, really been forced to kind of 
decide. And I mean, like, we're so like, we're still at the beginning stages of all of this. Yes. There's so much ahead. And I, I, that's something that I am constantly trying to work on with, you know, within my clients, within my Mm -hmm. marketing clients, thinking about Mm -hmm. like, we've got to think about the future. We need Mm -hmm. to make sure that your business is going to be able to handle kind of the ups and downs that may or may not come, but Mm -hmm. let's consider these things. Um, and that's just kind of life in general. I think the old normal is gone, right? So mm-hmm. we need to be figuring out how to be okay in our, our new normal. Um, yeah, I think a key is to not get overwhelmed by uncertainty. And yeah. because there are some things that, that are knowable that we can count on today yeah. and this week. And there are positive th- steps we can take to do well today and this week. And I, I'm finding for myself is that when you're, when you're involved in taking positive steps, that, that changes your whole attitude. That changes your whole life. And, and the problems start to occur when, you, when, you're, when you're dwelling in the unknowable and the future and what could be when you start saying what if what if what if that's when darkness creeps in and 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 so i think the key is to just focus on here's what we know and here is the fact and here's where i am in this moment and here's what i a positive thing i can do to do better for myself and my family and my business this week hold on to that focus on that and then next week we'll hand we'll tackle next week yes yeah. One day at a time has kind of been my motto. Um, yeah. So we are going to go through a lightning round okay. up here. I'm terrible at those, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm yeah. I, 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 I freeze up cause I'm a blogger. You know, I like to think about things. You're also, you're a Gemini too, right? I am. So there you go. That's the other Go ahead. <laughs> Fire them at me. Fire them at me. Go ahead. Okay, number one, what makes you soul-driven? What makes me, see, I told you, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> what makes me soul-driven is, is absolutely knowing that, that, I, that I have the power to help people and change people's lives. Love it. Okay, number two, what is one habit that you can't live without? I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at this. Have mercy. Have mercy. One habit. Oh, you know, it have to be blogging, really. I mean, I love I love writing. It just it uh it 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 just puts me in a zen kind of state. So probably writing every day. All right. Number 3, what does spirituality mean to you? Well, spirituality to me really means um, uh, keeping focused that there's more to life than the crisis in this moment. I mean, there's more to the universe than than um, not being able to get pork chops this week. Um, you know, it, spirituality is it's it's a, it's important to me, and maybe in a 
in a, a very specific way. I mean, I have, I'm a Christian. And so, you know, with the Christian faith, we're always sort of looking at knowing that there's something beyond this. And, and, and I think that's really important in times like this is to not just be focused on these little problems, but look at the, you know, look at the big picture of what's all around us. Love it. Okay. Number four, what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose? Well, sometimes purpose finds you. And I think for most people, purpose finds you. You know, I, I didn't grow up dreaming as a little boy that I would be a digital marketing consultant. You know, I wanted to be a baseball player or I wanted to be an astronaut and, you know, discover new worlds. Um, but it's like we talked about earlier, sometimes success in life is just knowing which doors to go through. And I went through this set of doors that led me to where I am today. And I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more fulfilled. So I think part of finding purpose is just being patient with yourself and be willing to forgive yourself that maybe early in your life, you're not where you thought you would be, but just, you know, look at, um, you know, what's making you happy now and what you can build on, uh, you know, to lead, to lead you to something that's, that might be different than what you thought, but it might be better than what you dreamed. Yes. So true. All right. Final, final question. Uh, where can people connect with you online? Finally, an easy one. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible at that. You did great. You did great. So it's easy to find me. I'm at businessesgrow.com. And uh, my blog is there. My podcast is there. My books are there. So you don't have to remember my name or how to spell it. All you have to remember is businesses grow. And you can you know, find all the cool free content I've got there for you. And I will make sure to leave a link in the show notes for folks who would like to connect with Mark. So that wraps everything up. Thanks so much for coming on to the show, Mark. You've been Thank awesome. Thank you. It's been an honor. Yes, absolutely. Such a pleasure. All right, folks. Now I want to hear from you. What part of our discussion with Mark Schaefer resonated the most? Share your answer over on Instagram at Soldierbin Podcast on today's post. Check out the hashtag Soldierbin Podcast or send me an email at soldierbinpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If today's message inspired you, please leave me an iTunes review, share this episode on social media and with those you love. Don't forget to sign up for our email list. And don't forget when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Thanks so much.